It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson, the most important story. The Washington Times said the patriotic Americans donated U.S. flags after protesters raised the Mexican flag over the ICE facility. The latest in politics and world affairs. It is not fair that, that people come in illegally and they have three square meals a day, TVs and all. There's something that is wrong with this picture. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. When we get into conversations with people, you can get real bombastic with each other because you haven't read it. You don't know what you're talking about. It's the Americhicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. So if you understand the issue, then you can have calm, reasonable conversations. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. We've got an amazing show planned for you today. In studio is one of my favorite Ameridudes, and that is Joshua Scharf. How are you doing? Good morning, Kim. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here. You have been busy writing for Complete Colorado. Uh, this Your most recent piece, we're going to talk about that in the third and fourth segment, is that uh, RTD's subsidized commutes are increasingly for the well-off. That's a great teaser. It's a great I won't teaser. go anywhere with it now. We'll save it for the segment. Sounds like a plan. That <laughs> sounds like a plan. So welcome. Uh, lots, lots going on here. Um, big show, like I mentioned, Shar- uh, Joshua Sharf is in studio. And as we talk about these issues, remember to, to break them down, freedom versus force or force versus freedom. Socialism is ultimately, <clears throat> it's ultimately force. And it is never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, or their freedom via force, whether it's with a weapon, public policy, or unpredictable and excessive taxation. And Steve, that last question that Stephen Kessler always asks, you felt good, but did you do good? As we look at uh, these policies that are being pushed forward by uh, the Democrat presidential candidates, uh, there's a lot of things that maybe they feel good, but man, they don't do good. Yeah, that was all over last night, uh, from coming from several different corners relating to, I hate to use the term, the New Green Deal or anything, anything of that ilk. is like we're, we're just going to, you know, through legislation, we're going to write off oil and gas, and uh, you know, we have all these other things at our disposal. Why wouldn't we go and use them? So you felt good, but, well, yeah, you I felt mean, good, but did you do good? Ultimately, this will shut down <clears throat> this very prosperous economy that has uh, empowered everyday people to, to be able to build businesses, take care of their families, go after their hopes and dreams. And you have to scratch your head on why people would push forward policies that would shut that down. But we're seeing we're seeing that. But, you know, I'm really pleased because the veil is off now. We can really see what the issues are, and that is why we need to be talking about these issues. So remember, ultimately, socialism has to get to force. Uh, very important event this weekend. Uh, Natalie Minton is sponsoring through Colorado Engaged a Taxpayers' Bill of Rights boot camp. Now, uh, that's a TABOR, that's Taxpayer Bill of Rights, that's an amendment in the Constitution to protect your wallet. And uh, they're going to have a boot camp training this August 3rd at the Lakewood Library, which is at 10200 West 20th Avenue. It's from 11 to 2. Check in time is 1030. The cost is $20. And um, many times you say, gosh, what can I do? Well, this is pretty darn important. We need to make sure that government, uh, p- politicians, and bureaucrats and interested parties 
that uh, we don't just give them a free reign on our wallets. And that is one of the beautiful things about Tabor and the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. And that is one of the reasons that our economy has been good is because we've been able to keep a check on the growth of government through both Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, and the Gallagher Amendment. And uh, so really highly recommend that you get out there, get your brain around that, because it's a, it's a grassroots thing. There's going to be a lot of money that is going to be going after getting rid of Tabor. And the reason is, is because then their pockets are going to get padded. So this is a really important thing to do this this weekend. And again, that is from 11 to 2 out at the Lakewood Library. And uh, it's a Tabor uh, boot camp. <clears throat> Excuse me, Steve. Uh, take you back. You know, it's within context of what you were saying before that you, you're talking about Natalie's thing. Um, Michael uh, Opelka, the 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 hour, the two hours that's on before us here on uh, 560 KLZ. He's he's pretty shrewd in his analysis, and he was talking about last night's events. <laughs> he went after uh, Joe Biden, and Joe Biden made some outrageous remark about the energy industry. And Opelka says in one statement, he just wrote off the entire state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, another thing, I guess there's a big uh, a, cl- uh, a big party, if you will. Google is having this big uh, oh, think tank thing, a bunch of movie stars. They're all going to Sicily, Italy. And I'm, one, of the th- one of the things on the agenda is going to be climate change. And so apparently, though, you would not believe how many private jets have gotten people over to this uh, climate or this uh, big meeting. Uh, and they're going to be talking about you know, the effects of climate change, but yet they went over in private jets. Joshua, what, what yeah, do you think pri- about that? Private jets and private yachts, as, mm-hmm. as, as our favorite, uh, one of our favorite people, right? Glenn Reynolds, the instapundit, likes to say, I'll believe it's a crisis when the people who are telling me it's a crisis start acting like it's a crisis. Mm-hmm. They very, have been, very good. They have been scorched by that approach so many times. You know, Leo, what's his name? DiCap- DiCaprio. DiCaprio, yeah. He, he's the one who gets nailed all the time. He flies to these events, no matter where they are in the world, and uh, he doesn't fly commercially. Well, you know, I heard that actually those yachts are powered by their rowboats, is what I heard. Got it. <laughs> okay. Our inspiration for today. There is a book. I don't know if you've ever heard of this book. It's called uh, The Myth of the Robber Barons. It's by Burton Folsom. And it, uh, you know, they have named many of these great industrialists that really changed America, made life better for everyday people. They've called them robber barons. And, you know, there's two ways to earn money. You can either, uh, to make money, you can either earn it or you can steal it. And uh, and it's an excellent book because Burton Folsom makes the case for these industrialists who did not take government money, but they built railroads, um, you know, Standard Oil, all of these different things uh, that made people, everyday people's lives better. And there's a guy, James J. Hill, and he became famously known as the Empire Builder for his role in further developing the Northwest through his control of the Great Northern Railway. It's perhaps just as he's perhaps just as well remembered for what he did outside the business world. Unlike many of the now famous railroad railroad tycoons and a lot of those guys, uh, those other guys um, had government money. Hill held great interest in the communities which, where he located along these lines, and he donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to public interests like schools and libraries. Today, the dream he always had of merging the four railroads in which he held the most interest has not only become reality, but its successor is also one of the largest such companies in the country, the BNSF Railway. And uh, just a little history there, Joshua. 
Uh, one of my favorite writers, a fellow named Robert Kaplan, he's, he's left of center, but he's not a leftist. Uh, and he absolutely calls himself one of the coastal elites, but he is aware of the risk of detachment that, that, that occurs. So he tries very hard to sort of stay in touch with the rest of the country. And in the 90s, he wrote well, a bunch of essays for The Atlantic. And in one of them, he talks about the difference between the fortunes that were made of that era and the fortunes that, are being, that were at the time being made today. This is the 90s, but we're talking about the beginning of the Internet and, uh, mm-hmm. boom and so forth. And he says that in the, in the, 18, in the, in the, the so-called Gilded Age, these were American fortunes, and they were tied very much with the community and the country that they were being made in. And that today we have sort of globalized fortunes being made that while international trade is a good thing, uh, that the people who are making them don't necessarily feel that same connection to the country that the people who were making these fortunes back in the 1880s do. A uh, little bit little bit of a potential problem that we have now. These people love this country and they gave, and, and you say gave back. I know we don't sort of don't, people don't like that phrase. Some people don't like right. that phrase, but, but they did. They took that, the, the, a lot of the wealth that they had made and they plowed it back into the country and plowed it back into their communities in, 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 uh, in ways like that. Well, and Andrew Carnegie, you know, he, right. he the made Carnegie a libraries, yeah. the Carnegie libraries. Uh, I, I'm from a little town in western Kansas, and we had a Carnegie library. library mm-hmm. And I love that. Just the smell of it. I just love libraries. I love libraries. So anyway, this is his quote. He says, most men who have really lived had in some share their great adventure, and this railway is mine. So again, most men who have really lived have had in some share their great adventure, the Railway is Mine, and that's James J. Hill. I would highly recommend the book, The Myth of the Robber Barons. It's a short little read, uh, but you certainly will learn a lot from that. So, gentlemen, Steve and Joshua, are you ready for today's funnies? I decided to go with a train theme since Joshua is in studio and we're talking about transportation. Look out, Joshua. Here it comes. <clears throat> I warned you. <laughs> How did the locomotive get so good at its job? Training. Mm. Oh. What do you call a train loaded with bubblegum? A choo-choo train. And what do you give a train conductor for his birthday? Platform shoes. Okay, gentlemen. Maybe I was reaching a little bit on that one. but uh, Reaching? <laughs> let's jump in here. We're going to be talking about a lot about transportation. And one of the reasons is, is transportation, the freedom of mobility... The freedom to drive, the freedom to be able to move around is inherent, I think, in the American dream. And we really see an assault by the elites of uh, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties that make money in uh, pushing forward these ideas. They continue to wring their hands. How can we get people out of their internal combustion engine personal vehicles? And uh, they continue to throw more and more money at that. How can we get people to give up their freedom of mobility that, of course, we have no intention of giving up ourselves, right? right? I mean, that's, and that's the theme for a lot of this stuff. How can we get people to move into apartments and out of houses while we make these plans from our single-family homes? How can we get people to get out of their cars while we drive to these meetings in, you know, in our own cars? Right. Uh, and it's, a, um, it's an ongoing theme. You know, Obama... How can we, uh, you know, one of, one of the, uh, you and I remember Carter and the, the cardigan and the, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the turn your heat down and turn your air conditioner, you know, and so right. forth. Um, but, you know, in, in, in the middle of the, um, 
of the uh, of the the depths of the the, the Great Recession. Um, who I, I don't think it was Jay Carney at that point. But it was his first his first press secretary is talking about how he likes to keep the heat, and this is in January, likes to keep the heat in the White House up to you know up to the eighties because he's from Hawaii. Go figure. I mean, I you know, well, you're, you 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 know the the leftist theme. Somebody has to sacrifice you first. You can, tell us how yeah. that goes. Exactly, exactly. And um, so this there is this ongoing theme, and you really are are on this. There's there's a couple of things that I think you are just so amazing on, and you're a fiscal policy analyst with uh, the Independence Institute. And I know that we need to talk about the heart. They say the left really you know gets the emotions and goes to the heart. But I think that we're getting a little tired of they've they brought out for the children, for the children, for the children. Now it's um, for the roads and bridges, for the roads and bridges, when in essence, what they want to do is get you out of your cars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why we do this show is that so that we can understand these issues, because ultimately behind all of their emotion stuff is green. And it's not the new green deal. It's the new green that goes into their pockets. Well, it's green or it's power. Or both, or or its power. You know, a lot of, as given our own mentalities, it's like we understand the profit motive. We often don't understand the power motive because it's not something that you and I, you know, really share. Mm-hmm. This desire to be sort of petty little tyrants over other people's lives, mm-hmm. and so the uh, the that that as much as anything else is is what motivates some of what goes on. I actually think that power. You know, people talk about greed, and and, and I think you bring up a good point is uh, in, in the, that it's all about money. But I think it's actually power that is even more of a, uh, something that's attractive to a tyrant versus money. I think it's the power. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Mao, Mao didn't live an ostentatious life, but he was, he was a horrible dictator. Uh, even, even closer to home, the first Mayor Daley, you know, obviously was no Mao. He was not Mao Zedong. I'm not mm-hmm. comparing Mayor Daley to Mao Zedong. But, uh, you know, he, he was in it for the power. Uh, he didn't. He didn't make a lot of money off of off of being mayor. He wasn't. He wasn't personally corrupt in that sense. Uh, he enabled other people to be corrupt, but his personal motivation was to run the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You see that. You see, you see that in many many politicians, any anywhere from the local all the way up to the national level. And that is why the American dream is so interesting. In that. This compact, this U.S. Constitution, and we're doing this study on the Federalist Papers, uh, and thank you to the Harris family for uh, sponsoring that show, I just want to say that, uh, is that it was put in place to protect people's rights, and that was so unique, and that is what is actually supposed to happen in government. They're representatives. They're not elected leaders. They're not elected officials. They're supposed to be our representatives, and they're there to to do things for the complete public welfare and uh, and to make sure that they protect our rights. Absolutely. Uh, one of the one of the quotes that and those can go away so easily, even in the name of fighting for freedom, people can use that to, to obtain power. You know, one of the quotes that I that I read recently was in a discussion of the Constitution, the Constitutional Convention. So the Constitution was written by 55 men and one ghost. And that one ghost was Cromwell. Oh. That in the course of, of course, he had he had led the revolution against uh, the rebellion, the civil war against against Charles the first. Mm-hmm. And then once he got into power, because he had personal control over the army, he was able to establish a dictatorship that was far more oppressive than anything the royalty uh, had had uh, had established. 
Well, and what's interesting about the founders, and then we're going to go to break, is that they studied all of this history. They looked at all these different types of governments. And so in this case, that's another reason probably then why they wanted to to make sure that there was a separation and balance of power. Absolutely. Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. We're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, oh, I tell you, those Dodgers, it's just really rugged with the Rockies. We lost 5-1. to And a three-game series starts with the Giants tomorrow. And uh, it is summertime. It's August 1st. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great time to enjoy Hooters Beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and their mouth-watering buffalo shrimp, which is very, very good. And they have plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down this summer. And if you're out and about, you say, what am I going to do for lunch? They have nine items for 9 bucks, 11 to 3 p.m. Monday, Monday through Friday. Nine delicious menu items like fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteak, and, of course, their boneless wings. So that's all for dine-in. But you can actually stop by and pick up dinner, take it home, or you can have Hooters wings delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. We're going to go to break. I have one of my favorite Ameridudes in studio. That is Joshua Scharf. We'll be right back. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have in studio with me, Joshua Scharf. Uh, We're going to be talking about his uh, very important piece in Complete Colorado uh, regarding uh, RTD's subsidized commutes are increasingly for the well-off. So you will not want to miss that. Uh, But before we do that, we had highlighted this article earlier this week. And Patty does such a great job in putting together all of this research. And this was from Complete Colorado. It says, Colorado Springs Parking Enterprise is mulling a rate increase. Now, first of all, just right in that, the Colorado Springs Parking Enterprise, mm-hmm. Enterprise, mm-hmm. Director Scott Lee is examining options for raising rates for both on-street and city garage parking. Internal documents, which were obtained by SpringsTaxpayers.com, including emails and spreadsheets, indicate that Lee is looking to substantially increase parking fees over the next five years. Okay, Joshua, first word, enterprise. Second of all, uh, Scott Lee is a director. He's not an elected official. So you can see all kinds of administrative state stuff going on here. Absolutely, and this is one of the this is one of the the loopholes that was built into Tabor actually in order to help get it passed. The idea of enterprises which have separate accounting from general fund revenue. Uh, unfortunately, what's happened is that the state government and increasingly local municipal governments, city and county governments, have taken core functions of government like parking, mm-hmm. street street maintenance in this case, and 
shoved it off into enterprises. And then the claim, so, the, the, and by the way, there has to be sort of, um, I think it's no more than 10% of their funding can come from the general fund. So this parking enterprise, whose job it is to deal with parking, uh, is is this indi- quote unquote sort of essentially independent entity, mm-hmm. and they can go and they can they can raise fees. They call it, of course, the, then it becomes a fee rather than a tax. Uh, so it doesn't other, have to be voted on. Is the other thing, right? Doesn't have to be voted on, and then they can go ahead. I, I don't want to conflate two different things. The enterprise is different from the fee thing, but uh, but 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 an enterprise uh, a, a lot is allowed, therefore, to raise the rates for whatever it charges without going back to without going back to the taxpayers. In this case, Mr. Lee is that his mm-hmm. name? Uh, is as you say, not elected by anyone. He's appointed, and he and his board can decide to. Raise parking fees without reference to without ref- reference to the people. By the way, if you remember, this was a big issue when Hickenlooper ran for mayor. I don't remember that. The first time that he ran for mayor, you know, the famous ad with him going down, putting quarters in the meters, you know, he had the little, yeah, yeah go look it up. It's still online. It's kind of cute. See him 20 years ago when he was young. And he's got this, um, he's got this little, you know, the, the meter made uh-huh. kind of change thing. And, and he's going down, putting quarters in the meters because people were all, were all uh, exercised about them putting meters on what had, and, and, ra- and then raising the fees on what had previously been free downtown parking. Well, and, you know, another thing that is so frustrating about parking here in Denver is uh, they limit the time. And I think they may have been changing that a little bit, but I'd gone down to a meeting. And so I had gone out and just continued to feed the sure. feed the meter during break. Mm-hmm. And I ended up with a, I want to say it was like a $40 ticket because um, they would go by and mark your tires. Right, right, right. And you were supposed to move your car. Right. Well, they do that to try to get turnover. The argument is that the that the, the, the merchants would rather have the turnover and that, that if people are looking to shop, then they don't have a place to park. And so if you get that, and, and people are rarely shopping for more than a couple hours. So that was the argument in favor of that in order to get, uh, get, get turnover and, and force people into the parking garages. Yeah, I know. Force people into the parking garages. So this is what is so interesting, though. And, and, I, and just a note regarding Tabor. You mentioned that they they had peeled out fees that you didn't have to vote on increasing fees because the the argument was well gosh if the library was going to have to increase the fees on on late books and and so that would make sense but man you let politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties you give them a little out and so now you have a hospital provider fee you have in, in this particular case um well the enterprise zone like you mentioned they're a little different but they're very connected but uh, so the the fee was taken out of Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, because, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of makes sense if you're going to have to increase library sure. fees. Sure. You don't want to have to go to the voters in order to get an increase in tuition at CU. Yeah. Well, maybe you do. <laughs> well, yeah, well, but you don't. <laughs> no, uh, I realistically, don't. <laughs> realistically, you I don't want to do that. Yeah. And so, right. And, and so, so you allow these enterprises to kind of manage their own finances. But this is, I mean, don't you sort of think of parking as kind of being a core function of one of the, one of the things you want? Government, if, if government's going to be doing, isn't that kind of a core function of a, of a municipal government? To peel that off into an enterprise seems well, a little the, dodgy. The other thing, though, is what when they do this, when your uh, your politicians do this, then they don't have to take the heat for raising these fee, sure. these uh, parking fees, sure. because hey, it, it was the guy over here, this this unelected guy. But this is what's so interesting. Okay, Lee is suggesting that meter parking increase at 25 cents per hour annually for the next five years, along with extending meter hours and progressive pricing that would charge a higher rate for more desirable parking spaces by creating four tiers of meter pricing. Wait, 25 cents an hour for the next five five years. years. So they're talking about whatever it is now. 
they want to raise it by a buck and a quarter an hour over the next five years, whatever it is now. They want to raise it by a buck ultimately, and a quarter. Ultimately, yes. Now, and over the next 10 years, Lee forecasts an increase in total operating revenues from $4.62 million in mid-year 2019 to $10.38 million in 2030, with unreserved working capital increasing from $8.76 million in mid-year 2019 to $22.89 million in 2030. Is anybody asking what they're going to do with all this money? I surely would. Actually, I think Rebecca Marshall with uh, Springs Taxpayers is asking that question. Now, on we go here. This is what is so interesting. Um, he said that this is going to add f- features making parking more convenient. Really? And quick. <laughs> well, it'll be more convenient because fewer people will will use it. That's true. It'll be easier to parallel park because you won't have cars on the other side. But Lee has a problem to resolve if he's going to raise the parking structure monthly rates. Several downtown businesses have long-term contracts for parking key cards that prohibit the city from raising their rates. There are 2,638 parking stalls in the three downtown parking structures. Key cards have been issued to 2,980 people or companies. In a partial email from Lee to Lisa O'Boyle of the city attorney's office obtained by springstaxpayers.com, and they're doing a lot of great work, Lee says the issue at hand is in the specific language in both contracts that is inconsistent and likely will cause issues if the rate changes being promised proposed to council in April 2019 are approved. Lee admits that even if the per-month parking rates are raised, those with contracts cannot be charged the new fees. Joshua, you're going to love this. But Lee suggests to O'Boyle his idea of a loophole, aha, that might be used to void the contracts. The Kinder Morgan Agreement and all of the others do have language that states the city council acting in its legislative capacity may terminate the agreement upon a finding that termination is necessary for the health, safety, and welfare of the city of Colorado Springs citizens. And one could argue that this is applicable to maintain the necessary financial health of the parking enterprise fund and to not disproportionately charge one group of users over another or to subsidize one group at the expense of others, writes Lee. I, I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, I, you know, the first of all, it's not a subsidy. It's a contract that was signed. So it was okay when they signed the contract. And in fact, theoretically, it's okay now. So it's not a subsidy. Number two, there, uh, the, the fiscal health, I don't think, I don't think, Health means fiscal health. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think that's the intent of that of that nope. phrase. The intent is, you know, do we have a cloud of, of poison gas floating through the city, and we need to get people off the street? Right. You know, is there some is there some imminent threat to people's physical health? That's exactly what that's for. It's not for you know, do we have do do you know, is this going to impact our finances in a way we don't like? And third, you know, there's there's something very telling here. How quickly things go from being called guardrails. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pass this thing, and we're gonna include certain guard rails mm-hmm. to make sure that things don't go off, you know, go, don't go too far to one side or another, how quickly those become obstacles to, to be overcome rather than, rather than guardrails that, that people have put in place to be respected. And, and it's so interesting how you can have politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties try to get around these guardrails. This last paragraph, I've got to share this with you, and then we're going to go to Jason McBride. But when Rebecca Marshall of SpringsTaxpayers.com, who made the Colorado Open Records Act request and provided the information to Complete Colorado for this story, she asked the city to provide the balance of the email the city replied. Okay. 
The city inadvertently provided the email exchange previously and denies your request for the remaining complete email pursuant to the Colorado Revised Statute, blah, 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 as it contains attorney-client privilege. Corresponding with Complete Colorado, Marshall said, I have no words for this. Are they serious? <laughs> On that note, let's, find, let's talk to somebody, and we're, we're going to see if he's serious this morning or not regarding the rate cut yesterday, and that is Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. Are you serious, or what's going on today, Jason? Well, I, was, I thought I might be until I heard you two uh, <laughs> talking about this uh, uh, silliness down there. So they want to run off a big company like Kinder Morgan or take the chance to run them off because uh, they want to charge them a little bit more to park down there? I guess so. And they're not keeping their word. You know, that's one of the things is, is uh, you're supposed to keep your word and trying to break that contract is not keeping their word. Yeah, that'll make people happy. So <laughs> uh, speaking of not making people happy, Jerome Powell just can't win. Uh, he's the, you know, the, <laughs> the head of the Fed, Federal Reserve. Uh, he cut the rates a quarter of a point yesterday. The market's mad at him. Trump's mad at him. Everybody's mad at him. Uh, the poor guy. But uh, it was it was about what what I would have expected, Kim. Uh, uh, he cut the rates a quarter of a point. That was just fine. The market went up a little bit. It didn't do much. But then, in his uh, comments. He kind of, I, uh, I didn't hear this, but he, the, the market or the experts said that he intimated that this was just one isolated rate cut instead of a race back down to zero as fast as we can get there. And uh, the market dropped about 300 points yesterday, pretty big volume. Uh, you know, that's 1%. It's not like the end of the world or like we had a massive meltdown. But it sure gave everybody a lot of fodder to talk about for the rest of the day as if uh, it was the most important event that had ever occurred in the entire world. So we'll see what happens. I don't think we needed a rate cut. Uh, I didn't really see the point of doing just one little one floating out in the middle of nowhere. So... um, I think it's likely the market will just kind of, as I said yesterday, be a little lackluster for a while, and I don't think this will turn out to be a big deal at all. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. And I have a question for you. Yeah. And uh, we may have to talk about it tomorrow unless you have the answer right on the top of your head. But I was looking at the headlines, and they said that this was the first rate cut since 2008. But, you know, it seemed I wasn't... Interest rates, I mean, how did we get down to zero? And, you know, we've had eight rate increases since Trump was was elected. I I mean, I didn't realize that interest rates have been so low for so long. Oh, yes. Uh, We got down to to zero during the the big, huge market meltdown we were having and that started in 07 and went all the way to March of 09. So, yeah, interest rates got down to zero in 08. Uh, I think they raised them finally one time while Obama was still in, and then eight times under Trump. So that got us, Kim, from zero back up to like two and a quarter percent on the bottom. And so that's that's correct. This is the first rate cut that we've had since 2008. And yeah, it's the first one that's been needed. Wow. Well, I still don't think it was needed, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, really interesting, and I, I enjoy talking about these, you know, these big ideas, but 
Jason, I know that what you really specialize in is, and we talk about it all the time, is people's personal economy. And I see that people, it seems to be kind of a skip in their step uh, because the economy is better. I see people smiling at each other. And uh, personal economy, how you are doing and how you're taking care of you and your family is what's so important. And you and, and your team, John Buckingham, everybody over there at Presidential Wealth Management, that's what you focus on. Well, we do, and I would say with the markets way up high here, uh, especially if you think you're within a few years of retiring, Kim, now's the time to think about kind of monetizing that. You know, look at maybe taking a chunk of that and how do I make it a bit safer? How do I create income off of that? You know, you don't want to see the market take a big fall and then you've got 20% less, 30% less, maybe it gets cut in half again, and now you're trying to kind of create your retirement on half the money. Uh, nobody can tell where the top is, but, but be smart and take some off the table while, you know, the elevator's up on the higher floors anyway and think about how to make adjustments and prepare before it starts raining. Well, and when people sit down and talk with you, Jason, you are not a big pressure kind of guy if i mean you'll you're real honest with folks about hey if you're in a good spot great stay there but uh, you certainly will you know put another set of eyes on their nest egg to make sure that their personal economy is operating to the very best of their ability that's correct well said okay well more information uh our landing page is chickspresidential.com that's chickspresidential.com and which the switchboard opens after 7 30 there is that right at presidential I think I think Natalie gets there at about seven thirty. Yes. Okay, that phone number is three zero three six nine four sixteen hundred three zero three six nine four sixteen hundred, and you can call after seven thirty and ask for Jason or any of the fine folks over there at Presidential Wealth Management, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, Jason. Have a great show, Kim. Thanks, Thanks so much. We're going to go to break. I have Joshua Sharf in studio. Uh, I I just love it when you're in studio, Joshua. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and I can't wait to talk about this this piece that you have in complete Colorado. RTD subsidized commutes increasingly for the well-off. You won't want to miss this. We'll be right back. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. 
social media is important to the AmeriChicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation and thrilled to have in studio Joshua Scharf. You have this really important op-ed. Do we call it an op-ed? Is that what it is? Or is I it... guess you'd call it an editorial yeah. in some sense. It's, uh, I mean, there's, there are facts in there. It's not you know, sort of a content-free op-ed. It's not a, a rant. But I guess, I guess there's some opinion in there, too. Okay. So. Okay. Well, and RTD's subsidized commutes are increasingly for the well-off. And, Joshua, freedom of mobili- mobility, the freedom to be able to move where you want to, when you want to, is inherent for a free society, for people to be able to move about. And we were talking about it in the first segment. Politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties are trying to think of all kinds of different ways to get you out of your car and uh, while they're not getting out of their car and get, getting into public transportation. But we're going to talk about trains. And uh, when I was on City Council of Lone Tree, I watched this. It was fascinating this uh, this move to try to get these uh, train lines built. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your piece here in Complete Colorado. Yeah, it basically traces a change in the nature of the ridership on RTD that has coincided with the increase in light rail, with the extension of the light rail. And it indicates that the percentage of riders who are making more than $75,000 a year has shot way up. And the percentage of riders who are making, say, between uh, ten and twenty-five thousand, or twenty-five and thirty-five thousand, has declined. And of course, this has happened. Uh, this has happened really since the since the uh, extension of the light rail, both down south, but also out into Aurora, the the airport extension that we all know, and of course the the westbound line out to Golden as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that as the light rail has expanded, this has increasingly become. Uh, sort of buses for affluent suburbanites uh, rather than, you know, serving people who can't afford to have their own, to have, to have as many cars as they have workers that, that, I mean, and, and don't get the idea that I'm opposed to public transportation. I'm in favor of public transportation. I'm in favor of public transportation that people can afford to use that people actually are able to use and that serves people who are not able to, to, to drive their own cars. So, that's, you know, that, that, I mean, we like buses, right? Buses are flexible. Buses are not a huge capital investment. Uh, when a neighborhood changes, you can put more buses there. When a neighborhood changes the other direction, you can take buses away. You haven't built these rail lines that are inflexible and that are this massive both capital expense and ongoing maintenance expense. Obviously, buses require maintenance, but they're nothing like the, the, the cost of maintaining rail equipment. And so what has ended up happening is that you have this, uh, th- this shift from so so we 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 like public transportation but we like public transportation that's accessible and light rail is not that and in one of the ways that it's not accessible is that it tends to serve people who are already you know well off well an interesting 
that, um, you know, many times I, I know what you're talking about as far as as um, well-off people using using the trains. And, but yet on days when they need to use their car, they will use their car. Absolutely. And when we talk about subsidized commutes, this is one of the things that has been very frustrating for me is that when you look at public transportation, the the fare that you pay typically uh, only covers maybe 20 to 25 percent of the actual cost. That's about right. Yeah, it's about, about 20 or 25 percent, depending on the rail line and depending on, the, um, depending on whether it's rail or bus. That's the, but that's about right. Overall, it's about 20 or 25 percent. So what that means is, is if you're paying, I, I don't know what it is, is it $4 or $5 to... It's, I think it's a $3 one-way fare. Okay. Uh, and that, by the way, there was a study that came out in, I want to say February, might have been January of this year, that compared the one-way fares in major cities across the country. Denver, congratulations, you're the most expensive. <laughs> but no, still, seriously, the most expensive of any major metropolitan area in the country, the one-way fare, $3, more expensive than anywhere else, more expensive than New York, more expensive than San Francisco, more expensive than, than places that you think of as being very expensive to live. Congratulations, you're, you're the most expensive. Okay, well, in that case, still, I, I do not like the fact that these things, you know, if they were a private enterprise, they would be out of business because the cost uh, or what you pay for your fare only covers, let's, let's say it's 25% uh, of the, the actual cost of, of the ride. So that means if the, if the fare is $3, the actual cost is $12. So somebody's making up that difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that would mean for a round trip, it would be $24. If people had to pay the real cost, mm-hmm. they might not be doing that. Uh, in oh, s- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, if you had to pay, <laughs> if you had to pay uh, an extra you know, $120, if you had to pay an extra $125, that's $500 a month. Uh, if you had an extra pay, pay an extra $500 a month to, uh, to, to get to your job, most people couldn't afford to get to their jobs. The, uh, the, there's a... Um, uh, uh, Right. So, I mean, that's, that's, obviously, that's obviously a big part. So where does the money come from? Exactly. From Who's paying for that? So it's interesting. It comes from a sales tax, uh, a sales tax subsidy. It's like an extra 1% mm-hmm. sales tax that goes in the RTD in the Metropolitan District. The RTD is, uh, is an extra 1% sales tax. That is, even with all the cutouts, even with all the exemptions for things that people think of as necessities, uh, that, that really are necessities like clothing and food and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, uh, even with all of that, that is still a regressive tax. So what does that mean? It means that as a percentage of income, somebody who is making less money pays more as a percentage, even though it's a sales tax. People, as a percentage of income, are paying more at the lower end of the scale than they are at the higher end of the scale. It's a regressive tax. And this, by the way, is something that people on the left and the right and the center all agree on. That even if you have these cutouts, what ends up happening is that people who make more money, well, they have more expensive tastes. And this is fine. That's not a bad thing. Um, but they also get the sales tax exemption. So if you're, if you're buying a really nice uh, – in, in places where clothing is exempt, if you're, you buy a nice suit, that nice suit is as, is as exempt as the off-the-rack you know, pencil skirt that you're going to buy. So it's uh, – so, so they still end up paying less. You end up with a regret – no matter how you try to slice this because you can't you, – at, at the point of sale, you don't know how much somebody is making – you end up with this regressive tax where as a percentage of income, people who are making people who are poor 
or working class pay a higher percentage of their income in sales tax, which means, let's connect the dots, the people who are making less are subsidizing these nice gliding air-conditioned comfortable rides of the people who are making more. Okay. Fascinating to really get into the weeds in this. And so what it really does is it is affecting hardworking, everyday Coloradans' wallets because this is a sales tax that is actually subsidizing these rides. Um, A question, though, because we had published this on Facebook, and somebody said, well, I ride the bus, and I don't see a whole bunch of well-off people on that, so let's go to break. When we come back, I'd like to hear... You know, what, what you would say to that particular comment, this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We're talking with Joshua Scharf in his very important piece uh, in Complete Colorado. RTD's subsidized commutes are increasingly for the well-off. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GER, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the ADA Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, July 26th through Thursday, August 1st, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Spider-Man Far From Home. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. It is Billy Joel Day today. Charlie just decided to give us a little step there with uh, Billy Joel. And just a quick note, you heard Susan Kochevar's spot for 88 Drive-In Theater. And uh, on August 16th, guess who's going to be working the snack bar? Producer Steve, our researcher Patty, and me. So I- I'm practicing. Do you do you want butter on that popcorn? How's that? I'm going to keep working on that. So Okay. We have in studio Joshua Scharf, and we're talking about these subsidized commutes. First of all, many times I see empty trains and empty buses as I am driving around the metro area, and it drives me crazy. Yeah, there, there's no question that uh, that RTD has got a real problem in terms of running a lot of empty stuff. Uh, the buses that were supposed to be full. Now, buses, again, you know, I give them a little bit of slack because if you're going to run a system that's going to be available, that means often you will run them, you know, at night, you'll run them at where, where the guy getting off his shift at, you know, or the gal getting off her shift at the, you know, at the fast food place or the, or, or, or the, or the, the supermarket or whatnot is going to need to ride the bus at 11. And you're going you're gonna to have to have a bus available. So I'm, I'm willing to give a little bit of a slack to that. Light rail, again, less so just because, uh, because so many of them are so empty so much of the time. There's a rush hour. There's a much more pronounced rush hour there. And, and yes, you know, when we drive down I-25 at whatever time, very rarely do we see, you know, assuming it's not one of the rush hour trains, very mm-hmm. rarely do we see people on these trains. 
I know. And there is just uh, politicians, bureaucrats, interested parties, the people that build these things. You know, they, they have, um, you know, they, they don't really, they don't care about the results. They just want to get it built. And uh, they don't really care about uh, making sure that it's sufficient because it's being subsidized. They don't have to have results. Sure. Well, and you asked, you asked before about, uh, you know, the, 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 the listener who commented saying that she doesn't see, she, he doesn't see mm-hmm. uh, very many wealthy people on the bus. And that's probably true. I mean, you probably don't have a lot of people making 200 K who are, who are riding the bus. But I will tell you that, that there were times when I was working downtown, I'm a computer programmer. I was making relatively good money and I would take the bus, uh, and, and I wouldn't necessarily wear a suit, uh, because I, you know, I was a, I was a white collar professional. i I would, would generally just wear, you know, uh, sort of business casual clothes. So it might not come across as being particularly well off just sitting there on the bus. The other thing is, again, as we pointed out, the increase in the shift to, uh, to, to, to a greater percentage of people riding being higher earners coincides with the, uh, with, with the expansion of light rail. So what that means is you're getting more commuters coming in from Douglas County, coming in from uh, the southern part of Arapahoe County, where incomes are higher, where people are, people are better off and they're making use of, 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 of these trains. So that's really where you are more likely to see the higher earners uh, using RTD, not necessarily the 15L or the 15, you know, the 15 local coming down, coming down uh, Colfax. Mm-hmm. Okay, another thing, though, in trying to increase ridership, and like you mentioned, and so we're, we're talking about trains primarily, is you will see that, for example, at DU, at, at some of these colleges, mm-hmm. that part of their, their fees, their, their student fees, includes... And like a, a RTD pass, okay. Mm-hmm. So they're not they're not really paying for it. So they have this. They're trying to increase ridership, and so that is included in their fees. Mm-hmm. You see deals being made with, um, like the state of Colorado or businesses downtown, mm-hmm. where they will give um, their employees can get a break mm-hmm. on their mm-hmm. RTD pass, mm-hmm. and even with all that. There are still so many empty trains. Well, ridership is down. We're not just trains, buses. Ridership is down in absolute terms. You would think in absolute terms over the last 10 years. I'm sorry, is that 10 years of the last? Well, I don't want to go back that far. Maybe since, maybe since 2010. Uh, ridership is down. And what does that mean? It means that even as the area has had explosive growth in population, fewer people in absolute terms are taking the bus to work every day. Fewer commuters are taking the bus. What is that saying? It's saying that the buses and the trains are not serving people's needs. And so, and what will happen with socialism is ultimately, and you're you're starting to see kind of this force thing start to move into this. We've had the carrots, if you will, the you know lowering the fees and and um, or like doing a deal with uh, businesses or <clears throat> government entities to get people to ride on these trains. But there's two things. As you mentioned, ridership is down, and CDOT is going around the state. Mm-hmm. Um, Patty had found this. This is, um, uh, and they're doing a kind of a listening tour, if you will. There is a new statewide planning effort called Your Transportation Plan, and it's a process. It's building on Colorado's tradition of grassroots engagement to take a fresh look at our transportation investment priorities and ask people across Colorado what matters to their lives and what infrastructure can do to get them there. And I was thinking about it on the way in. Uh, So RTD is spending government money 
to, to again, and their focus, and I actually heard Shoshana Liu at uh, a hearing that I got into, she actually uh, said that they want to get people out of their cars. And so they're doing this listening tour. The listening tour actually is probably more of a trying to push people to support some kind of new programs to get people out of their cars. If you want to have a listening tour to the people of Colorado, there's two things that you can look at right now. First of all, you look at ridership and it's saying it's not meeting people's needs. And second of all, you look at people that actually even they know that there's going to be congestion on the roads. They still get in their personal vehicle. Absolutely. That is how they are voting. So if you want to listen to the people of Colorado, Mm -hmm. you don't have to spend money going out and trying to do all these different meetings because busy people many times are not going to be at these meetings. They may not even know about these meetings. If you really want to listen to what people are saying, look at how the choices they're making every day. Absolutely. Right. Those are the signals. People would absolutely much rather be in their cars than they would be on a bus, even though the bus might free them up to be able to read might free them up to, during the time that they're sitting there, might free them up to be able to read or, or just sit there and maybe doze off even uh, on the way in or the way back out, okay? Uh, they would still rather be in their cars because we value, first of all, the sense of control that being in the car gives you, but also the fact that we have lifestyles that are not organized around, you know, or that are not organized like a 1950s New York commuter, right? We are, we are cross-county commuting. We are commuting... And then we have errands that we need to run on the way home. And the mm-hmm. bus is not going to stop and sit there and idle outside the Home Depot while I get the air filter. Or the dog food. It's not going to, right. Well, the dog, right. Exactly. I mean, these are, but public transportation can be very, is very inconvenient for, for running errands and those kinds of things. Also, bear in mind that they say that they want to get you out of the car. And a lot of this is uh, for, for um, the pitch is, well, we'll get people out of the cars. And then, you know, people have these pictures in their head. Wow, all these people will be out of their cars that means that my commute will go a lot faster. You know, we know how that works. And then the, the other, the, the, the last thing here is um, a lot of this is allegedly for the environment, right? So less CO2, less energy being used and so forth. Uh, Rand, the, the invaluable Randall O'Toole at, uh, at, 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 uh, at Reason uh, has got a spreadsheet that's publicly available. And one of the, one of the graphs that he can produce is using various uh, various government sources on this is the BTUs and CO2 per passenger mile for cars, light trucks, and RTD for ver- or, or public transit for for various metro areas. For the Denver for RTD, public transit has the highest BTUs and the highest CO2 emissions per passenger mile. And what does that say? That says that people aren't riding on those. Right? Because you have, you're still running the bus, you're still running the light rail, and fewer people are on there. So per passenger mile, it is the most expensive in terms of energy and the most expensive in terms of CO2 if you care about things like CO2. That's fascinating. And speaking of that, your piece in Complete Colorado, and just a plug for them, they aggregate all these different news sources throughout Colorado and they update it three times a day. And so it's Mike a great... Mike Krause does an incredible oh, job with they that. Do, they do a great job. He and Justin, they're just awesome. And and then up at the ban- up at the top, the banner, if you click on that, that's all of these original pieces like, like where yours is. And then in your piece, you actually have a, a link to this uh, transit char- chart that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so turn off the TV, you know, and take an extra 30 minutes, read Joshua's article, get your brain around this because... 
they are going to try to get rid of Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. And they're going to say one of the things that they're, they're going to be working on is transportation. And when they say transportation, politicians, bureaucrats, and um, interested parties, when they say transportation, what they mean is trains and buses and bikes. When we say transportation, we're thinking about roads and bridges. And uh, so we need to make sure that we protect Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, and make sure that uh, we, we uh, know what we're talking about. So get to Joshua's article in Complete Colorado and also the spreadsheet. <laughs> I think you're going to need more than 30 minutes on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua, it's so great to have you in studio. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Kim. And really appreciate the good work that you do. Uh, you know, Breaking down these numbers, it then en- enables us to talk about the heart because the heart and the wallet of everyday hardworking people are connected, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are. They're not the same thing, but, it's a, it, but they are certainly connected. When you have your hopes and your dreams and your future and your plans, you know, a lot of that is what you, what, what, you know, you're working to make those things real. And people oftentimes, unfortunately, are working and making, thing, making that harder for people. And, and uh, also, just a plug on that, and Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management, can help you on that with the, the money in your wallet. So, again, James J. Hill, the great rail... Um, empire builder. He said, the wealth of the country, its capital, its credit must be saved from the predatory poor as well as the predatory rich, but above all from the predatory politician. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you and God bless America.